Hey, you guys, welcome to Perspectives Podcast. We have Jerry Hector again. I don't know his name. It could be either or. We got Josue, myself, Daniel Dalba, and our special guest, Pastor Alex Aguila of the Rock Church LA. Uh, everybody, welcome. Welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? Austin. Hey, everyone. <laughs> I find it a little awkward because Pastor Alex is my pastor, and he's the only pastor I've ever had. So. I don't know. I'm like more nervous than these guys, even though I talk to him like every day. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, we wanted to do this podcast and we wanted to base it on different things, different uh, subjects that not just a regular because I don't see my pastor like as a regular pastor because he can. He's he wasn't like as far as like if you know his history, he was involved in many things so he can um, uh, go into a lot of stuff like he was in missions. He was. um uh, LADMOP president at one point. Uh, a lot of the stuff that we do in LADMOP was like under his, his, his like, uh, I don't want to say, how do those presidential reigns? Like, I don't want to say that, but the, the administration. <laughs> yeah, under his administration. Uh, and um, so there's a lot to talk about with Pastor Ali. So that's why I suggested, I was like, you know, we can have my pastor on. Like, my pastor is, he could talk about literally anything. And he's a smart guy, he knows politics. We talked about science for a cool minute last time, like a couple of weeks ago. And it was, I like conversations like that because I'm a scientist. <laughs> First of all, I think what everybody wants to know, for those uh, listeners who uh, don't know Pastor uh, Alex, uh, Pastor Alex, and, and, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, what, what we need to know, the essentials of getting to know you. Wow. Honestly, there's not really a whole lot. I can tell you that, at the end of this month, I'll be married a total of 15 years. Oh. Um, I, I have two kids. My daughter, Lexi, she'll be 12 in June. My son, Levi, he just turned seven. So we're dealing with a preteen and we're dealing with a little guy who's just mm. bouncing <laughs> off the walls right now. And, uh, you know, on top of that, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually 39 years old. I may look a little older because of the grays. Those of you listening can't see it right now. But uh, so I, I, I try to I try my best to keep my hair on point just so that the grays get kind of hidden with with, with at least something of a good, you know, a hairstyle. So that's just me. I, I try to keep it simple. Um, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot in life I, because I grew up in church. Uh, my mom brought me to church and I was just about three months old. So, you know, I, I, I've only had two pastors in my entire life. So, you know, church life to me is, is, is really everything, um, besides God, obviously, and my family. Um, but church life is everything. My life revolves around this. And so, you know, that's pretty much who I am. There's not really much else about me. I mean, there's history there, but, there, you know, we'll break that down as we go. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking, speaking of... Uh, your first pastor i i had a question i was interviewed you a while back for my online classes it was probably like a month two months ago and um one of the questions was who inspired you the most and you did mention your your first pastor so i want you to like to pretty much clarify like the impact he had towards you and how that in a way made you impact others if that makes any sense like how you get it yeah. So his impact was a little different than some, I suppose, because um, I, I didn't grow up with a father in the home. So my pastor wasn't just a pastor. He, he was like a father figure to me um, because there were occasions where 
Um, my mom obviously knew that there were things that as a woman, she didn't feel very comfortable with raising up a male. And so it was pastor who would actually talk to me about certain things like, like during the time, and this is weird. All right, guys. But so, so just bear with me. <laughs> like during the time of puberty, it was mm-hmm. actually pastor who talked to me about those changes. Mm-hmm. Him and I had those conversations. Um, so I could tell you, man, he was an amazing preacher and he was, he was an amazing preacher. He was an anointed man of God, but I got to deal with him from more a fatherly perspective, father to son role. Um, him and I were that close. Um, you know, obviously there were, there were things that other things that impacted me. Like uh, he had a love for sports. He loved the Dodgers. He loved boxing. He had humor, you know, so you know, he had, he was just such a well-rounded man, but he was also a man of family. He loved his wife, his children, his grandkids. And I was drawn to all of that. So his impact in my life wasn't just the fact that he was somebody who made a big in ministry because he did. He was actually on the general board of directors of the Apostolic Assembly at one point, Nice, but he was, he was approachable. Mm-hmm. I could yeah. approach him. He, he he was when he was amongst the bishops, he was a bishop. When he was amongst his flock, he was a shepherd. When he was amongst his family, he was a family man. He was a grandpa. He was a husband. He was a father. And so those are all the things that I could say impacted my life when it came to him. That he was just, he wasn't a single tracked man. He 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 didn't have just peripheral vision. I, you could see his life, and and in every stage of his life, and in every season of his life, he impacted something in my life. Mm. Yeah, that's okay. good. And um, I could say the same about you, except the you know the pu- <laughs> except like the puberty stuff, because like I met you as an adult. <laughs> I was straight, up, I was straight up man, I already had like a full grown beard and all that stuff. So. <laughs> But you know, actually, when, when my mom wanted to get when I was when I was about to be punished or something at home, I would end up in his office. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. He, she would take wow. me to the pastor's office, but he would treat me as it was. It was interesting because he knew how to balance it out. Like it was kind of like father, pastor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, it, it was pretty cool. I like um, I see that a lot. And you obviously like it's not. Obviously, a lot of the members of our church, you're like around the same age as or if not younger than them. So not necessarily as like a like a, maybe they don't consider you a father figure, but do they do consider you as like an actual brother, like oh, like family? Like um, like I always say this as a joke, like when I get a like when I get on the pulpit and I talk about The Rock, I say like The Rock is like Olive Garden because when you're here, you're family. <laughs> um, like i always say that and um and i do see that in you and i, and I do i do because before i was like a lot more reserved i am more outgoing now i'm still reserved don't get me wrong but i'm more outgoing now and it is from like seeing you being able to be approachable like you said your pastor was and you know and um i was able to approach you which is weird because i never approached nobody so like that that just gives like an idea of of the impact he had in you in that, in that sense, you know, not only in the, in the, in the godly perspective, because I'm pretty sure a lot of your preaching styles, I never heard him preach, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like you got like some of his preaching styles and like the way he did things, you want to do it. And, you know, kind of how like, you know, um, yeah, like a father sees a uh, son sees his father, like, just like that. You know, like, so, that, that, that's so awesome. Cause like, cause like this, you know, what I'm hearing is that, 
brother uh, Alex's pastor poured onto him, and now he's pouring onto you. So, so mm -hmm. now it's like it's your responsibility to pour onto somebody else. Hey, don't put that pressure on me. So, so we're, we're, gonna, <laughs> we're gonna have a, a for a podcast uh, 200. You're gonna have, we're gonna have a guest, and they're gonna talk about how you inspired them. Okay, right. <laughs> and that's good. Uh, you brought up that you know that you growing up with with Bishop and how he mentored you, and that led to my question that I wanted to ask you. So, before there was even a, a pastor, Alex Aguilar, before before there was even a you were the president of Ladmop. How important was it for you to have a mentor in your life? It's super important. M mentorship is, I think, of the essence because it provides spiritual paternity, mm. which is in this generation, I think we lack male figures as it is, right? Mm -hmm. um, many of our homes, speaking of mine to begin with, you know, didn't have a, a manly figure, a fatherly figure. And so, even homes now that do have a man in them, you know, th there's that absentee father in the home. And so having a mentor, you know, truly, I, I can actually, as, as, as interesting as this is, you know, yesterday we, we celebrated Mother's Day. And so I, I found a picture of my mom and my grandma, who I consider kind of like Timothy, you know, Lois and Eunice, his, his mother and grandmother, mm -hmm. grandmother. And then, Pastor Audrey is my pastor. He, he, I would say he was Paul. Mm. Yeah. Because they took my, my mother and grandmother took me to the church. And then the man of God, you know, the apostle, the, the pastor, he, he, he led me in, in the things of the Lord, but also as a father. Yeah. Because even Paul acknowledges I'm his spiritual father. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, as a Timothy, I could say that. Mm. So, so you think it's important for a, for a pastor to balance out uh, being a friend and being an, an authority or, a, or a, you know, somebody somebody looks up to? Like, they have to balance that out? Do you think that's important? Yeah, because I, I don't believe authority commands trust, but actually friendship does. That's right. Mm, that's good. Authority demands respect, but a friend mm -hmm. demands trust. Mm -hmm. And so when you have those two in balance then you have both of them in place where there's like in regards to, to Danny here on the call is this, this, the, you know, this, this day that he knows I'm his pastor and I know he, he's a deacon in the church. And so we have that respect towards one another, but because we can have those intimate conversations, whether it's about science or politics or history or just church stuff, we have that, that confidence in each other. We have that trust because as friends, I can put aside the office of pastor and become an equal because it was the apostle Paul who says we are men yeah. of like passions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Right. For sure. And um, I was telling them about how I was like, man, you can pretty much talk to pastor about everything. <laughs> um, and I did <laughs> mention that earlier and I do want to get into like how you, how you coped with being, a young pastor because when did you start like pastoring the rock like at 35 30 35 that was 33 33 well, jesus's, jesus's age that's great <laughs> actually there's two other men like that are the bishops of our district it was bishop velasco and bishop salazar who started at 33 oh, as well. wow. Mm -hmm. wow well to, I, to be the the potus don't you have to be 33 is that the age or yes. is it 30 uh, i thought it was 33 33 uh, i was probably 30 
<laughs> well, to be well, to be a yeah. biblical priest, that's what I was talking thirty. Because that's yeah. when oh, Jesus yeah. got baptized three years later right. is when he died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there also any point in your life where you knew that you know God was calling you to for a pastorship? It wasn't until my pastor passed away. And I'll, and I'll share this with you guys. And it's, this is actually pretty intimate, but you know what? It's okay. It, it, hopefully it blesses somebody who's listening. Go for it. Um, my, my pastor passes away August of 2010. And immediately at that time, our bishop, who was Bishop Salazar at that time, he becomes the interim pastor of the church. And so he, he, he and I were already close because I was working as – I was serving as Ladmont president, and he was our bishop. So him and I were already working together. And he and he started imparting on me. We were going to late night dinner sometimes to Danny's and just having chats over like, you know, apple pie and coffee at midnight and stuff. And he was telling me, do you feel a calling to pastorship? Immediately, I said no. <laughs> that was my response, which it's many people's responses when you ask them that question. No, nah, that's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, a, you know, I had a good job. I, you know, I, I was, I was blessed at my local church. I was able to do things. I was serving. And so I felt fulfilled with what I was doing. And so he's like, you know what, you're going to start dreaming about this stuff. And I'm like, nah, you know, I was pretty certain that this was just not going to be for me. And so he, you know, you know, behold, a little, little bit later, I started dreaming about this stuff. It didn't happen immediately. It happened four years later or so, but I began to dream about it. But my entire life until the age of 30, I always thought I would be like a youth pastor or an assistant to the pastor and just help and at the local church, because that was not something I was really looking forward to. Um, I, I just, I, not something I aspired to, but once you start dreaming about something, God, God's the one who fulfills it. And it was actually Bishop Salazar who says, before I'm done um, with my office as, as, supervisor of the district bishop he says you'll be a, be- a pastor in our district and i was like nah you know it's just kind of like <laughs> brushing it off leaving it alone and he says no trust me he goes the lord has already said and sure enough i believe i was his last install in los angeles district while he was bishop wow. supervisor yeah wow that's that's wild <laughs> <laughs> That's, so so when you became a pastor um what was the you know being young and obviously having a lot it, this happens in, in all the churches you know like there's there's always going to be somebody with a authority problem uh-huh. uh, it's going to be hard for them to, uh, <laughs> he brought it up you gotta put it up i mean you know yeah, what though th- there was there was one man that that i really had to deal with and what's his name not gonna, <laughs> not gonna do that. Next question. Next question. But you know, actually, what it did for me because he he he's older than I am. He's no longer at our church, but he's older than I am. Um, he'd been serving at this church for some time now. Uh, you, you know, he he'd been kind of part of the the organizational system of the church and whatnot. So when I arrive, you're talking about somebody who's at least 20 years younger than him, roughly. Um, and, you know, there was that, like, you know, we, we at first we were okay, but then we butt heads, in, in, you know, in the process. And so he, there, there was resistance and he was challenging as well. And so I, I say now, looking back, that that person was necessary. Mm. That brother was necessary because... If not, 
I probably wouldn't have prayed as much, hmm. to be honest with you. I probably wouldn't have consulted the Lord as much as I did because I wouldn't have felt the need for it. Hmm. And so, you know what? Yeah, he was challenging, but I believe that God put him in my path to hmm. mold me, yeah. to give me a strong backbone, to, to give me courage, you know, and to keep me praying. Honestly, that's how I see it. Mm. Well, that's great um there is that verse and i don't know if it, i don't want to call this person a heretic but <laughs> you know like the bible says there must be heresies so the so like that which is approved can be made manifest you know so right. like obviously obviously i'm not calling this person a heretic but no no absolutely. <laughs> as far as like you know there is there are people that will push you to show and manifest the fact that you are uh, like approved you know you are you are uh, the, uh, the man of God, you know? Right. Hmm. You know, in every stage of our lives, we're going to find that. We're going to find somebody who's going to bring out the best in us. Mm -hmm. But to bring out the best, sometimes it creates, you know, you have to bring it out through chaos and hurt and, 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 and suffering. Right. And, you know, I see that. And I thank God for, and, and I thank God for that person. Mm -hmm. Actually, I really do. Before he departed from our church, him and I had, had a coming together and, and, and we talked and we forgave each other. We apologized. And, you know, I, he told me he'd be praying for me and I told him I'd be praying for him. And we have till this day because we have kept communication. And, and so it was, I believe it was God ordained, mm -hmm. honestly. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That's right. That's good. So have you had about 15 years, you said, of, of pastoring? Uh, I have six years now pastoring. Yeah. Okay. So hey, looking back at it, <laughs> imagine 15 uh, years, you were like 20, <laughs> you were like, <laughs> like 20 as a pastor. Looking, looking back at it. Um, what do you think for anyone out there who's maybe young as well and feels that calling? I know there's going to be a lot of attributes that make a pastor, but for you, what do you think are like key attributes that you would, you know, advise young people who feel that calling that they should have first and foremost if you feel the calling don't let anybody discourage you from it to start off um mm -hmm. you know though the apostle paul tells timothy you know he who aspires to the office right i mean that, that's aspires he's letting him know it's okay mm -hmm. he aspires a good thing there's nothing wrong with it mm -hmm. but there are process and procedure right and so what that means is if you want to be a pastor, that means you have to be loyal to yours to start off. And I say that because honestly, there were times where I, I didn't always feel like I agreed with things that my pastor said, the things that my pastor did. Either one of the two pastors, because my last pastor, who's now our bishop supervisor in our district, you know, I was only really under him for about three years, but I didn't agree with everything they always did. You know, and so that patience, that trusting in God and that loyalty, I believe, is what opened the door. And so be loyal and God will open doors, even if you don't feel like you're in agreement with things others are doing. Mm -hmm. Because the truth of the matter is, now that I'm a pastor, I look back and see what they did and say, Oh man, now I know why they did what they did. And now I know why they said what they said. It wasn't popular. It wasn't something everybody accepted. It wasn't, it, it wasn't what the crowd wanted, but it was what was necessary. 
And so I, I look back and say, look, there's nothing wrong with aspiring to it, but be loyal in the process. Be faithful. Because I, as a pastor, I will have a hard time recommending someone who has not been loyal. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah. the greatest, the greatest leaders are vocal, right? They express themselves, they speak, they lead the people with their words. That's but right. the greatest leaders are ones who have one point were able to listen well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because how can you speak if you can't listen? Yeah. yeah. That's why, you know, I, 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 I watch like other churches, like, and I'm going to throw it out there. My, my good friend, Pastor, Pastor Anthony Valverde, and he has deaf mutes in his church, right? And so their struggle of speaking obviously comes from their struggle of not being able to hear as well. So if you apply that into the the spiritual context of ministry, the greatest leaders, and I'm not putting myself in in their shoes in any way, but but good leaders have been and are great listeners because especially in pastoral ministry, one of the things that people I think make the mistake of is that the pastor talks, 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 people listen, 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 listen. That really only happens from behind the pulpit. Mm-hmm. But what happens in the pastor's office is where the table gets turned and the pastor becomes a great listener mm. while the people speak and share their heart, the things that they're going through. That's why being a great listener is one of the most intricate parts of being a great pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, that speaks volumes, especially since you put the, um, since you alluded to the deaf ministry and, and Pastor Anthony Valverdez, because they pay attention to the signing. And maybe they can't listen, but they pay attention to the signing and then they're able to, they're, they're preaching too. And they're, they're doing, they're doing amazing things. They're, they're doing worship services. And that literally speaks volumes that a person that literally can't listen, but is paying attention and, and, and accepts it. And now they're, they're speaking in, in their form and worshiping in their way where a person that can listen doesn't want to. Right. You know what I'm saying? That, like, that, that, that ministry actually at Rice Church is powerful. Yeah. yeah they're, yeah, they're, they're a they're, trilingual church. For real. That's powerful. Yeah. People struggle uh, with bilingual. It's, <laughs> it's super important because um, uh, you guys uh, know Guillermo. Everybody knows Guillermo. Yeah. That, that even, yeah. He goes to Rice Church. And, you know, I met him when we were all, when we were both so young. Uh, when, you know, my first camp, I met Guillermo. Uh, that was like back in like 2011. Um, so he, he was baptized, uh, like he was like telling his testimony and stuff. And, and, but he's, uh, like later on, he told me that he didn't really quite get into church because he didn't understand. And there was no translators. There was like nobody to really explain to him, you know, like people would, like try to tell him, you know, read your Bible and, and stuff like that. But he, he, he was young. He didn't really have that guidance he needed to, to, you know, really understand and soak it in and let it, you know, cover him, uh, and until recently that that rice church started their ministry their their um uh their asl ministry mm-hmm. um he told me that he like his eyes and his perspective opened to so many things he didn't know before because now he wasn't just sitting at a, at the at the um, at the benches now he was actually involved and he knew what was going on and like he knew how great you know this whole um, you know, uh, God scenario and, and, and environment is. And, and he was like, when, when I was able to understand, I finally was able to let myself be wrapped with, you know, with God's presence and stuff like that. So I think that's like super cool. That's super important. What, what Rice Church is doing. Right. Well, communication is key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And one of the things that I know for a fact is that 
Pastor Anthony's not f- like completely fluent in ASL, mm-hmm. yeah. but he's open to it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I, I believe that in the generation that we're living in, it's, it's being open to new ministries and, and new things in the church. That's going to draw in that harvest. Yeah. You know, I, I'll that's be right. the first one to admit there's stuff I don't know how to do mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there are things that I'm just like, you know what? I, I'm kind of clueless, man. I, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'll preach to you guys and, and I'll, I'll pray, you know, I'll do all that stuff. But when it comes to like technical ministries and that kind of stuff, that, that just keep me way, you know, far away from that stuff. I have no idea what these guys are talking about. But guess what? I'm open to it because I see the need for it. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Josh. I understand sure. the. Well, there's you know Josh. He's a beast. And, and, <laughs> He's a beast. And, and, and you know you have other guys like like Joel. Yeah, they're all these beasts. guys. The sound and, and and all kinds of stuff. And they talk to me about it, and I just nod my head like, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's good stuff. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. It's that confused, yeah, yeah. You know? But but we need this. Mm-hmm. The church needs it mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. especially right now. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so you recommend uh, pastors to surround themselves with a team? Of course. Cause... Yeah, I mean Moses did it. Yeah, but it, but it took for his father-in-law to lead him that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And then that that means you got to be a good listener. There you go. I was obedient. gonna say that. I was gonna say that he listened to his father-in-law and was like, you know what? That's which a is good rare because nobody really wants to listen to their father. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I gotta pray on that so I could get a good father-in-law, man. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, good father-in-law, Jesus. But um, you know, going into that, going in, going like as we're speaking about ministries and like new ministries, um, I know under your administration as the LADMOP or LADMA president, a lot of the things we're doing today are things that started then, like uh, access service. I remember you telling me about upper room. Um, I think consecration week as well. Um, I'm not sure. Consecration week was, was handed. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like it, it, it actually, that's been going on for a long time. That is, there's something that you would advise, or or that you would want to see now that the young people would get more involved in, or more like a, a new thing to do. Because to me, I think about that, and you were LADMOP president what 15 years ago, almost. I finished in 2011. Oh, just nine, nine years ago. ago, and that's like we haven't done anything mm-hmm. new in nine years. Like this. That's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, I, the, 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 the way I looked, especially like access, right? Mm-hmm. And this is just me, like the vision I had then, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be that now. But back then, the vision behind access was that we would provide a platform mm-hmm. for young people um, to, to have a, a, a way of, of leading worship, of preaching the word. I look back. And some of some of these guys who have been on the biggest platforms now actually were at Access. Mm-hmm. You, you look at like the Toledo brothers, um, Ivan Trejo. You know, th- there's a lot of people that back in the day that's how they started. Mm. You know, you, you know, and then it, and it wasn't like to say like you know we 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 put them on this pedestal and do other stuff. But the truth is that sometimes you know they're restricted to their local church because. You know, I think sometimes the higher you go up, especially at the district level, we we struggle with putting people on platforms, right? Because we always want to put up the best. Yeah. (laughs) And so at least that's the mentality of the leader. Of course. But if we create a platform to say like, hey, this is for you right now. And and let's see if this is something that that you're interested in. Maybe in in the worship leading side of things, uh, the the preaching side of things. And then what happens is 
you feel maybe not comfortable because you'll never feel fully comfortable, but at least you'll know like, hey, like this is something I want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And so the, the mm-hmm. vision behind Access was that let's create a platform to develop others so that when they go back to their local church, what it does, it actually inspires them to go deeper, to go further, to inspire others. Mm-hmm. And so it actually it gives the pastor a little more idea too, like, hey, this person's being used outside of our church. Mm-hmm. Let's see what much more they can do at the local church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it did that for a lot of people. So that was the vision behind like access. But the way I see, you know, the, the district now is Jesus was always looking for somebody's platform. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and and so the way I see like this younger generation and mine is that I have a responsibility to it to provide them a platform. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us right now? I mean, look, look at when Jesus, um, you know, has the encounter with Simon after that, that, you know, that that night of fishing and they'd caught nothing, which was rare because they were not novices. They were they were experienced fishermen. And Jesus at the end, you know, he says he sees them and they're cleaning their nets in the morning and he asks Peter for his boat. Mm-hmm. In other words, he was asking him for his platform. Yeah. That was Peter's that's boat. True. The boat was the platform. And that's Jesus right. says, let me use it so I can preach to those on the shore. Mm-hmm. And he does. And then after he's done preaching to them, like, we don't know how many people came, people came to the Lord or even if anybody listened. But one thing did happen was he tells Peter, Peter, you know, let's go on your boat and let's go out into the waters just a little further and cast your net again. And he caught fish. Mm-hmm. The miracle mm-hmm. happened because he allowed Jesus onto his platform. Mm-hmm. That's good. And so That's I foresee good. miracles in my life, in my local church, in my ministry, in, in the family, in my family. When I allow, first of all, Jesus onto my boat. Mm-hmm. And then I allow others onto my boat. Mm-hmm. Right. When I allow others onto my boat, not only will I be a beneficiary of a miracle, but they will be as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why that's why the platform or the boat itself is so important in this generation that we allow others into the boat, onto the platform. And I'll say this, look, one of the hardest things I think for a pastor is trust. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because how, how do you just trust people onto your platform behind your pulpit? Just, you know, let them go. I, 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 and mind you. I, I, until this day, I, I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but I would do a disservice to this generation to close the door on them and say like, nah, not you, not yet. You're not ready. You're too green. And the reason why a lot of times we don't trust people is because we don't know people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you know people, you can trust them. And, and yeah, they're not going to be perfect at what they do. I'm not either. Mm-hmm. But say, hey, guess what? Somebody gave me a chance. Mm-hmm. I need to give somebody yeah. else an opportunity. I need to pay it forward. Yeah. That's right. And then God's going to raise up a generation. I mean, I'll take this a little further. And this is maybe a whole different direction here. But somebody recently, an elder asked me recently of our churches, because he's an overseer of, of men and, and the church. And he says, why do you think there are so many women in, in taking ministerial roles that belong to men? Mm, right. And my answer was, like, well, because the men don't want to arise. And that was my ignorance speaking. <laughs> It was ignorant, <laughs> my answer, honestly. Yeah. The truth is that as leaders, as leaders, uh, t- talking about myself, if I'm not allowing people onto my platform, then guess what? Somebody else is going to find a way on it. Uh-huh. And the That's men, true. because they're loyal and they're faithful and they're not going to usurp authority, 
what they're going to do is they're going to wait for the process. But women don't have that 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 <laughs> that niche of waiting. They'll jump the ship yeah. and they'll get in they'll it, it and they'll do what they have to do to get the gospel out by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we do our jobs correctly as leaders and develop men, then guess what's going to happen? Yeah. The men will arise. Mm-hmm. But it's up to us as leaders to do that. Yeah. God, um, you know, God is doing what he did uh, in uh, Samaria with Jesus. You know, he, he chose a woman to get to the man. Really? <laughs> and, and that happens. Now, I'm not against women's ministry. Sisters, we love you. Yes. God, Godspeed. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, you know, but there is there is order mm-hmm. when yeah. it comes to ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that if we're not careful in the development of, of, of the right men, the appropriate men for ministry, then we're going to miss a whole generation of, of, of not just potential, but of success and impact. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Because potential has its limitations, you know, potential can only become, you know, success if there's a platform provided. Mm. Speaking on this generation and what you were saying as well, like, what do you think are some things that maybe as a young man, including me, Jerry and Danny, that maybe, you know, we lack that you, that you would think I want to see more of this from this generation. You know what? This generation is different than mine. Um, I mean, if I can make that comparison in my generation, like ministry is limited. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is you're either a preacher, a worship leader, an usher, a musician or a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> you know, you, you can put those five ministries up on you know, the palm of your hand. You'd be done. Nowadays, ministries are a lot more broad. You know, there's. There's ministries of, you know, you know, technicians in the church and just all kinds of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how do we harness what you guys bring to the table? Just let's just look at this ministry that you guys have right now. You guys are looking at it maybe as, hey, this is just a podcast of three guys getting together and we have a guest once a week and we talk about stuff. That's cool. But in in in, in perspective, this is ministry. <laughs> in perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is ministry, you know? Yep. Because you're you're opening the dialogue to things that are happening now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's super important to the time is that you guys become relevant while never forgetting what happened before you. Mm-hmm. That's what I was saying. And so what can you guys do better during this time? Well, one of the things that you guys could do better during this time is to not cower. Mm. Jerry. Okay. <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> you know, be bold, mm-hmm. but be reverent. Mm. Yeah. Because you can be both all at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, right. y- y- you can be that. You can be, you can be a minister. You can be, you can be used of God. And still be very reverent mm-hmm. to your elders. And that's one thing I've always kept really close to my heart mm-hmm. because I grew up during a time where authority was everything, mm-hmm. right? We would respect our authority. We would love our authority. We would support our authority. We'd give our lives for those people who were above us, mm-hmm. right? And so one, that's one of the things that you guys are doing something very bold right now. You know, taking this on, taking this 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 ministry on a perspectives and, and bringing things to the table that matter, because that's what you guys are really doing. You guys are bringing things to the table that matter to this generation, to the young people, but be bold and be reverent while you do it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, if, now, if you want like real ministry, you need to get close to your past. Mm-hmm. You just cannot feel like you're going to be truly successful without being close to them. It, it's just not really going to happen. 
mm-hmm. at least not anytime soon. Um, unless you have like an evident gift and, and I don't even want to get into that too far. That just, <laughs> that's just a whole, that's for another that's episode. A whole another podcast. Right? <laughs> because a lot of times we're drawn to people's gifts, right? Yeah. Like, Hey, like man, that person has a gift of healing, man, we're going to put him on our stage and he, we're going to yeah. let him just rip and minister to us because he has an evident gift, uh-huh. but there are gifts that aren't evident. They are developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for those you got to be close to the man of God because you'll never develop them without His covering. Yeah, over your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's good. So, uh, uh, Pastor Alex, you you were also a uh, a um, a missionary, weren't you? Mm. He's no, been to missions. I've done missions. You've done missions. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, that that that's awesome. Um, what are the what are the some of the things? Would you recommend? You know like the young people to, to go ahead and, and try to sign up for as many ministry, as many uh, missionary trips as they can. Not, not now, obviously, because, you know, <laughs> oh, <laughs> because of the COVID, but you know, in the future, can you, can you speak a little? Yeah. On that? yeah, yeah. Um, you, you know, I would say be intentional mm-hmm. with anything that has to do missions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to go to all of them, go to all, <laughs> you know, but one thing that happens when you go to missions is that you're, you do leave, your heart where you go, mm-hmm. right? And I, I have a kind of a hard time with, like, at least for me, like, if I go to one place, that's where my heart's going to be. And so if I go to too, too many different places, like if I go to Africa, if I go to Thailand, you know, if, if I go to somewhere in Asia or, you know, the Caribbean, whatever it is, I'm going to leave a piece of myself somewhere, but it's not enough. And so the only, like, trip I've made in, in, in my investment when it comes to missions has been to El Caribe. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to, to the Dominican Republic and I've been to Haiti. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why I've been intentional, and this is just me, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't put others down who go to other places. That's their prerogative. That's great that they can and do it. But for me, I, I just always felt like, hey, if I'm going to invest in something, I want to invest wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so I don't want to like just leave little pieces of myself everywhere. I, if I'm going to go, I'm going to give as much as I can to that one thing, that one place, that one ministry, that one church, that one mission. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, thank the Lord. Like even right now, uh, I'm part of the Caribe committee actually under Bishop John Mark Almaraz, mm-hmm. um, who he oversees, I believe if I'm not mistaken, over 16 countries. Wow. And he's looking to open more actually uh, that, that are under the banner of the apostolic sin. If I'm not mistaken, it's like five of them, five or six possibly. Uh, but I know he's trying to open up others like Jamaica, just other, other, other countries where the gospel can be preached. Uh, but my heart is there. And I know people that have been to Africa and they just love that mission and others that have been to Thailand and they love that mission. But for me, um, it, it's just been in Caribbean. My heart is there. Actually, last year I had the opportunity to go back, and it wasn't a mission trip. I got back. I was able to go back to preach um, the Dominican Republic's national youth camp, but mm. because I have a relationship there now, I have, I have, I have a commitment to them now. My heart is there. My prayer goes to them too. Not that, not that it doesn't go anywhere else, but like I said, because I'm invested there now, my my, my prayer is also for them. So I do recommend missions. I recommend them. I highly recommend them. Um, They are life-changing. They're they're impacting. You think you're going to go help somebody and minister to somebody, and the one that ends up being blessed and ministered to is you. (laughs) It's usually how it happens. 
is is there something in particular you remember from like any mission trip that really impacted your life or or changed your perspective on on, on like an old opinion or something like that something that 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 kind of like was relevant in 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 your life that you know changed you or or taught you something or made you see things from a different spectrum well you know when you go to missions you're talking about third world countries right for the most part haiti is a third world country um the, the dominican republic is not but one of the things that I, I and I think the COVID is readjusting this in the church is um, taking taking things for granted. One of the things that really impacted my life, and it was our first missions trip, and you're looking at maybe four years ago, possibly to to, to the DR, um, was I remember we were at the church and we were going to host a, a a revival, a a crusade there at one of the churches, and there was this mom, and. She had four little ones and she was on her motorcycle coming up to church. She had a baby across her front, like a baby, like in one of those little pouch things. She had one sitting on the back seat, one sitting on the handlebars and the other one, I don't even know how, they were like standing on something in the back. It's just weird, right? But I was watching their commitment to making it to the house of God. And I look back and say, like, man, what commitment and the things we take for granted back home. Like, we'll miss church for, like, nonsense. Yeah. And you see these people's hunger, their desire, their passion <laughs> for the Lord. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't dependent on what they had. It wasn't dependent on the clothing they were wearing. It wasn't depending on their food, transportation. It did not matter. They were going to make it to the house of God. But here in a first world country, we're full of excuses. We're, 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 we're full of, uh, of just nonsense that gets in our way to even make it to church. It, man, church isn't even long anymore. Back in the day when you used to go to church from yeah. 10 a.m. to like 8 p.m. at mm-hmm. night on a Sunday, you know, <laughs> nowadays you come to church and you're like, is it an hour and a half already? That's long. The pastor's taking too long. This, you know, those people <laughs> on the altar need to get off already. We got to go home. You know, so I, I just I just see it as like we take things for granted. And I think going on a missions trip realigns you to to purpose. Yeah. Tell, tell them if, if they want a shorter service. <laughs> they, <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> they have hour long. Yeah. Service. And they get crackers and and, and, and they wine. don't oh, yeah. they, <laughs> they give crackers and juice boxes. <laughs> I, I would I would ask. um I remember a youth service here in Ladmop where you shared a, of like a supernatural testimony that I don't know if it happened in DR or or in Haiti. It was, the DR. If you would, it was a young man. If you could uh, share it. You, you know, it, and that was our first missions trip. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went on it. And honestly, I went on because I got invited to go. And it wasn't really something I was looking like into. Like, you know, I'm like, ah, missions, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go. But I remember I was <laughs> preaching and it was like, the church was tiny, man. Like, I mean, we've been in small churches. Our church isn't even all that big. But that one was tiny in comparison. And it was hot, and I was done, and I was sweating, and, and it was just humidity was, you know, just crazy. And uh, this this young man at the end of the altar call comes up, and he says, can you pray for me? So yeah, sure, I'll pray for you, no problem. And and um, he says, could you, like, do me a favor not tell people in the microphone what I'm about to tell you. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I put the mic behind my back and I listened to him and he says, um, you know, pastor, I need you to pray for me. I, I have AIDS. 
I'm like, my God, you know, I'm like, Lord, did you bring me this far? Of all this? things? Like, really, God, of all things. You know? Like, you're like, I'm trying I to pray said, for all somebody right. back hurting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to pray for somebody back hurting. You know? I'm, I'm Come on, bro. You know, make it easy. And so, let me build up. Let me build up. Like, oh, yeah, you know, this is. All right. Let, let's see what let's see what's going to happen. And I'm like, God, I don't know how you're going to prove this. I have no idea how we're even going to say, like, this guy's healed. Or what am I going to tell him? Pat him on the back later and say, well, God's going to you know, do the process. God bless you. Send you on your way. I don't know. So the one thing, you know, I was telling people is like, hey, raise your hands. We're going to pray for you, right? There was a young man standing there. I said, just kind of take a step back. Because I don't know. You know. I didn't want him to get too close or whatever. So, you know, I told the guy, the young man, lift your hands. So he lifted his hands. And when he lifts his hands, he had an open boil with his forearm. It was nasty. The, one of the nastiest things I'd ever seen. So I began to pray for him. I saw it. I prayed with my eyes open. I, I laid my hands on his head. That was it. And it wasn't like this long, like, you know, prayers <laughs> were like, you know, it's just, you know, a simple <laughs> pray for you in Jesus' name. I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I had a lot of faith, but I was in a rush because I was just, there was fear, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I prayed for him. And as soon as I said the name of Jesus, I didn't even look at his arm. He looked at his arm like this. And he says, I'm healed. And I'm like, what in the world? The thing scabbed like mm. this. Wow. I've wow. never seen something like that happen. The supernatural. This dude just darts out of the church, right? And he's yelling up and mm. down the street, I'm healed. I'm healed in Spanish. And, uh, you know, later on, I followed up with the pastor and we talked. He's like, yeah, you know, the Lord healed him. <laughs> so that's one of the craziest things I'd ever like that's seen or wild, experienced. Man. And so... Um, you know, I, I, that, yeah, that's probably one of the that, that's things. insane, you know, because, um, you know, AIDS attacks a person's immune system, T cells, mm-hmm. not allowing them to heal anything. So, like, anything can hurt you. So, that's why he had his wound right. open, you know, and the fact that, like, yeah. you, you're like, how are we going to prove this? And then God was like, oh, yeah, I'll let you know. I'll let I you got know. you. I will make I sure you. he has an open yeah. wound. <laughs> so, so you will yeah. see it and you'll know that. By my stripes, those wounds are here. Oh, right, it's exactly right, man. Yeah, I, you know, I walked, I walked away from that service. I mean, mind you, I probably lost like ten pounds from sweating yeah. that day, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, I made it up after because we ate like bomb right after that. But you know, it, it's it, it was something that I, I'll carry for the rest of my life. But I, I never want that to be the only one that that leaves me mm-hmm. in awe. I mean, um. I feel like that that happens just to increase your own faith. So like everything else would just come like not easier. Well, yeah, I would say easier because your faith grew. Therefore, you know, if you have faith, all things are possible, you know, and something as difficult as that, as someone would think that's difficult, because obviously to God, there is nothing impossible. And we know that, you know, people could get healed from anything no matter what it is but for us to see that happen it just increases our faith making or and allowing us to pray for those small things like a headache like oh a mm-hmm. headache come on Doug. i saw somebody get yeah. healed of aids come on <laughs> ah, get that headache out of here <laughs> headaches nothing come yeah, on bring it like, on oh yeah like um you know i was like same thing. I mean, not 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 the same thing. Like I didn't pray for nobody that had AIDS, but um, you know, I prayed for my niece's uh, elbow, which was detached and was gonna be drilled back in. And then 
it uh, mm. miraculously just went back into place. You know, I prayed uh, and I got my nephew to pray with me. And, you know, that increased my faith because they went to the hospital and they were like, we don't know what happened. The bone is right back in this place. And that increased my faith. And the same thing, like now I can feel like, come on, headache, dog, man. Ah, <laughs> Jesus, man. Or like, oh, demons? Gotta get out of here with that demon. You, you know, like like for headaches, I'm like, I'm not even gonna pray for you anymore. Pop some He's like, come on, man. Come, on, man. <laughs> come, come back to me with something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's crazy. I, I would I would like to ask a question and maybe we could end it off like that. Uh, but, and it's kind of similar to what I asked Jane because I know you, for example, you like pointing out to the youth as well. I always see you like at NYAs, conventions or, or camps, you know, always preaching to the youth. Um, and this could be, you know, a long response if you want to, but if this was your last time speaking, what would you tell this generation? Don't give up. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, give, don't up, give up. You know, times are troublesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's easy to say, like, especially like in ministry for the young people, and that's why I'm, I'm pretty adamant about our young people making it into ministry and getting involved. Because as times develop, a lot of times we're we're seeing our young people depart, right? And what I mean by departing, I'm talking about they're not leaving the faith, but they're leaving our apostolic churches. Mm. Um, they're going to non-denominational churches. They're going to other movements and whatnot. And and I'm not going to bash any of those things. That's, that's not my intention here. But if we, as a body, you know, from from my perspective, and if there's any pastor listening, you know, whether you're older or younger than I am, you know, they they... they I pray that they would take this heart on as a pastor that that we would give our young people that opportunity so that they never feel the need to have to give up and go somewhere else because there's so much work to still be done in such little time that we have left. Um, the coming of the Lord mm-hmm. is near. I mean, the signs are there. You know, I'm not even saying yeah. that the COVID's mm-hmm. the sign, but I am saying that the signs are there. You know, there are things that are happening biblically. There are things that are happening in politics, but also the increase of science mm-hmm. is, is happening. And right now, the, the reach of the gospel by way of technology, you know, the, the God, God can't fully come, you know, and rapture his church until the gospel is preached to the four ends of the earth. Right. That's mm-hmm. happening now. Mm-hmm. And so to all young men and young ladies, I would say, don't mm-hmm. give up. You keep pressing on. You keep pushing forward. There are some of us in the gap, standing in the gap for you so that you won't give up. You know, just just keep pressing. Keep trusting God and know that there are people ahead of you pulling you up so that you can pull others up as well. You know, my my heart has always been with the MOP. It, it's I, I think I'll be a sick if the Lord should delay in his coming, which I don't think he will. My heart will always be with the MOP, the Latin mob are my heart. You know, I, I've been there. I've seen it. I, I've seen people come and go. And so I will always advocate. I will always fight. I will always stand for the young people, especially the young people of our district, because my heart is here. This is my home. Um, so, you know, if, if there's if there's if there's a group of, of people within the body of Christ that I will always fight for is the young people. I will always stand for you guys. I will always fight because. 
I see not just the potential, but I see the fulfillment of, of grace, of mercy, of, of, of impact that all of you could leave. And if I could, if I could leave generations behind me with, with that, that I would inspire hope and inspire some, some, some grace in somebody's life to, to, to enter into ministry and not enter it in a way of, Hey, you know, there's nothing else, you know, in regards to entering it with, 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 with love, with passion, with joy. And I'm not saying ministry is always those things, but to actually look forward to ministry, to look forward to, to doing great things for the kingdom of God. If I could just leave that with, a, with just a few young people that I could Im- impact and, and impart to, man, I, I think I've, I've done my job. And, and I think Brother Daniel has heard me say this before, that I believe for me, my greatest success will come from my succession. And so those who succeed after me will be my own success one day when, when the Lord takes mm-hmm. us from this place. And that's how I feel about yeah. that. That's, that's a, so good. probably like the best way to end it. <laughs> that's probably the best way to end the podcast. That's, good. that's a good, that was great. That's a good uh, send off. And obviously it rings true, especially for myself. Cause you know, everything you just said pretty much ties into to me you know because like when they, when you first became the pastor at the rock like uh my sisters they were like oh you gotta because i wasn't going to church like that i was like i would go to church but i would just wouldn't be i was just like i'm gonna be outside <laughs> and i'll just be outside but my sisters would always say oh man pastor alex he's he where he's worked with the young people and i was like all right <laughs> like, all right you know like He's, he's, he's really cool, man. He's, he pours out to the young people. He's very focused on young people. And I was like, all right, man. I was like, tw- I was like 20 years old, you know, I'm just like, you know, just dumb. Um, and I would never would I think like as soon as I would like meet you and then even my friends that meet you, like um, my friend Brian, you know, shout out to him. He he's he was born Catholic and he comes one he comes like rarely but when he does come he does feel like a part of the church and he says like man your pastor's so cool he's like he's like man like I can actually talk to him and you know and it yeah, even though we yeah, fight about sports said. but we're good he always says that he's like <laughs> I don't agree with this you know is uh, sports talk but you know it's all good and he even he was born Catholic and he says. You know, I'm Christian because, you know, because uh, um, I go to your church once in a while. I'm like, OK, for sure. And then that what you said rings true to to that. The fact that you pour out into the young people and it is impacting young people. And, you know, like um, I'm glad to be a, a part of that succession, you know, and um, that legacy, because never would I thought six years ago that I would even be baptized or let alone be a deacon, <laughs> you know, and um and I'm I'm proud to be in, in that succession, you know, and I and I and I'll do my best to obviously first and foremost do the will of the Lord, you know, and work for the Lord. But um, you know, move that legacy forward. If that makes sense. Absolutely. I'll 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 let me say just this one thing at the end right now that th- there's a few things that th- there's about three men that I I I, I listen to very closely, um, even now. And when I need, when I need direction, um, realignment, because we mm-hmm. need that every so often. Um, 
I reach out because not only do I need those things, I need their counsel, I need their support, but I also need their mm. correction. And, mm. and and I'm talking to you like from a pastor's perspective, I need mm. correction sometimes. My mind needs to be corrected. My heart needs to be realigned. And so don't, don't, even though you do have the right idea sometimes, don't be afraid to reach out to those people who are ahead of you mm. already in this race because they will lead you. They will guide you. Maybe it's not, you won't do everything they tell you to do, yeah. but you need them. You need, you need their, sure. and you guys, you guys are doing something really cool here. I mean, just the title of your, of your podcast, right? You mm-hmm. need their perspective. And and so I have, I have this one pastor in our district, which I won't mention, but you know, he, he's called me out on a few things and he's picked up the phone, not a text message, a phone call. And he's told me, he, he doesn't talk to me as pastor in that moment. He says, Alex, this, 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 and that. And he goes, I'm just letting you know what you did is, is not right. Or you're, you know, I'm reeling you back in. And I thank God for those people. And in the moment, it doesn't feel all that good, hmm. but you need them. Because if right. not, you'll continue to make mistakes that will affect you and hmm. offend others. And the Bible tells us, right, don't do things that would cause your neighbor to sin. And sometimes we do that because we don't we don't heed to the word of those who are ahead mm-hmm. of us, who are trying to guide us and lead us. So I leave you guys with that. You know, just, you know, don't give up. Be faithful. Be loyal. God, God has great things for you guys. And, you know, there, there's there's hope. There's hope. And I mm-hmm. see the hope in this generation. I see you guys' passion. I see your guys' drive. You know, this generation is going to make it the way I see it. You know, I, I'm hopeful and I'm grateful to, you know, to God for you guys. And don't give up. Keep pushing on. Man, man, that's a good way to end it. I, I said that sure. like five minutes ago. <laughs> I started talking, but this time for real, this is the <laughs> good way to end it. <laughs> but as preachers, you know, we we can't stop. I always say five more minutes. And that's like 25 minutes man i remember uh one of the yeah. first times that i preached my pastor has to cut me off and 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 like af- afterwards he was like he was like he said it in spanish he was like que dios bendiga a, a nuestro hermano el larguero alex for accepting to join this was awesome and i know this is gonna bless yeah. people who listen Shout yeah, out to thanks, Pastor. Pastor Alex. Follow him yeah. on Instagram. Shout out to the Rock Church as well. And we haven't said this, but uh, Rock Church is in Los Angeles. If you're close, there's a church there. If you're close to Inglewood, there's a church there. I go there, New Beginnings. And then Jerry goes to East Los Angeles, I believe, or like deep, deep El Sereno. So you guys, you guys have a home right there. Around the... Yeah, the Northeast LA area. So I think that's, all right. That's my so we're going to end it. You know? Pete, all right. Take care. All right, you yeah. guys. Thank you for tuning in. If you made it this far, comment and, you know, all right. fresh out. All right, guys. God bless. <laughs> all right, guys.